1: is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
2: It is painful to watch the New York Giants play football and they have become a terrible organization. It is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. And of course on your smart speaker you can watch us over on the ESPN app. You're welcome. Good morning Joseph Fortinbaugh. That was some Bad football last night.
3: That was a tough one to stomach unless you reside in the Pacific Northwest where the Seattle Seahawks once again distance themselves from that embarrassing week one loss against the Los Angeles Rams and continue to keep it cooking. It's a team that should very well find itself right back in the playoff hunt not enough made of the job Pete Carroll and John Schneider have done there, but I have a feeling we're a little bit more focused on the other end of that game
2: rather than what happened for the Seahawks. For the moment, we are. And you can, be a, you can be a part of Carlin versus Joe Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Hit us up at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888, say ESPN, 888 3776 ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one favorite The Giants have simply become a terrible organization, and you can watch last night's game and understand how poorly constructed they are by the terrible decisions that they have made overall, Joe, and I'm watching a game like that. I'm watching Daniel Jones, who was given a contract uh, last offseason of $40 million per year that they can get out from after next season, but they're stuck with it right now. And he looks like just a guy. And that's because Daniel Jones is just a guy. He needs everybody else to be great for him to be great. As opposed to other great quarterbacks around the league who make other players better, who make the same amount of money, Joe. Just start there. You can talk about the sacks all you want. Talk about anything you want. The Giants are poorly constructed, and they completely misconstrued what happened in year one of the Dayball-Joe Shane uh, regime to think that they were better than they are. So when you're the quarterback of a franchise, especially one
3: who's passed his rookie contract, you're going to be the face of that franchise, which means you're going to get the praise when the team wins. Look at Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. You are going to get the heat when the team looks poor. Look at Desmond Ritter in Atlanta right now taking the blame for the Falcon struggles. Last night, the focus is going to be on Daniel Jones. He's just part of the problem. All right, you give up 11 sacks. Let's not start with Jones. Let's start with New York's absolute failure to even come close to protecting their own quarterback. By the way, they were at home facing Seattle. It's not as if that was the Eagle pass rush in Philadelphia or the Niner pass rush in San Francisco, which they went through on Thursday night. What was it, 12 nights ago? It was the Seattle pass rush. That was a complete embarrassment of a performance for an offensive line, uh, for Brian Dable as a head coach to scheme the game up that way, and then for Jones to overcome literally none of that adversity and play as bad a football as you can. But to your point, this is an organizational failure across the board. I mean, the second pick this organization ever made was number 7 overall in 2022. That was Evan Neal, the offensive tackle. He's been, he's been a disaster. A complete disaster on that offensive line. Kayvon Thibodeau was picked by the Giants a couple picks before that. He's been okay. He's got three sacks this season through four games. So there's something there. But this is what happens when a team focuses too much on external evaluation and not enough on internal evaluation. Everyone's trying to break down draft prospects, free agents, player personnel. Evaluate yourself. Make sure you understand who you are. Because two years ago, this was a four-win team that cleaned out its front office, and cleaned out its coaching staff. That's what generally happens after you win four games. You bring in a new GM, you bring in a new head coach, you go 9-7-1, and you beat the Vikings in the playoffs, and the problem here is that the Giants then began believing they were something they are not. A good football team. They were not a good football team. They had an easy schedule last year, and when you look at the totality of the 17 regular season games they played, Carlin, they were outscored by six points. Is that a good team? The whole point of this game is to outscore the opposition. They went 17 games and got outscored by six points. Another team that won nine games last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they outscored the opposition by 54 points. The Giants never properly evaluated who they were last year, and as a result, that led them to make a series of mistakes, which are now showing themselves each and every week this season. The big man sounds muted. Is the big man muted? Am I just not hearing him? Okay, so it is the big man's problem. See, this is exactly what I was hoping for, because as I was sitting there talking, I'm thinking to myself, I might be derailing this entire show. Turns out it's Carlin that's derailing this entire show. So we'll get him hooked up. We'll bring him back in in just a second. But to the point of the New York Giants, that's the failure, is that last year they Uh made it to the playoffs. They beat a bad Minnesota team who was another Fugazi organization with their 11-0 record in one-score games. And then they thought they were on to something. They thought that what they had in Daniel Jones was someone they could salvage, someone that they could take to the next level. But they didn't surround him with anything. Or they at least try to and they can't make it work. Darren Waller is making $17 million a year at tight end. $17 million. That is the highest paid tight end in the National Football League. More than Travis Kelsey, more than any other player at that position. He hasn't found the end zone yet. Last night, he had three catches for 21 yards. Again, against Seattle, who is the absolute worst pass defense in the NFL entering week 4 giving up over 300 passing yards per game on average mm. this matchup was tailor made for the giants to move the ball and to score some points maybe not win it but to move the ball and score some points carlin they couldn't do any of it last year so organizationally you are looking at a failure from top to bottom because after last season they misevaluated themselves and thought they were better than they truly were
2: yeah and it's the the classic thing that bad organizations do and the mistakes that they make. You can look over the years at teams that have brought in a new coach and a new GM and in that first year, they still have a lot of leftovers, right? They still have a lot of guys who they thought were going to be part of the solution but really turned out to be part of the problem and then you get a new coach coming in instilling a new culture and guys respond and you get the most out of them. And that's exactly what happened last year. We've seen that happen with bad organizations years past. We've seen it happen with the Jets a couple of times with Todd Bowles. They won 10 games his first year, and then they went to garbage. Eric Mangini, same thing. The Bears a couple of years ago. Matt Nagy, they won 12 games. And then they went to the playoffs and lost. And what do you know, next year they're back at 8-8. Eight and eight, And they're, they're, they're fooling themselves as to what they truly are. And you read your own clippings. Joe, there are two teams in the NFL this year that have not taken an offensive snap with the lead. (laughs) The Giants (laughs) and the Jets. Holy crap. At least one has got a major, major excuse for what's gone wrong. And I am blown away by the fact that they have put themselves in this spot and they're kind of locked here. Right. They have spent money on a quarterback who, Joe, for me, the biggest problem is he doesn't make anybody else better. He really doesn't. You, I get it. He was sacked 10 times last night. That's an absurd number. They did a terrible job protecting their quarterback. But to the point of it being a bad organization, the Seahawks had just as many injuries on the offensive line last night. They figured it out. They, they Maybe... Just maybe with a guy who's mobile, you put him on the run a little bit more. Maybe you move the pocket a little bit more. Maybe you do a few other things that he actually can do and do well, and that helps you along the way. They don't do any of that. I mean, listen to Brian Dable last night about what's going on right now.
0: Yeah, I'd be upset, too, if I was a fan. So uh, there's a lot of things we got to do better, and that's what we'll try to do. Do you feel like this season is starting to spiral a little bit on you guys? Yeah, it's the first quarter of the season. There's a long way to go, but uh, certainly a lot of things we got to do better. You say it's the first quarter of the season, but how
1: eye-opening is it to you? I mean, not just losing damage. It's like 40, uh, 18,
0: and 20. I know the scores, Jordan. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, not good. So uh, a lot of work that needs to be done.
2: Yeah, I want to clip that. Yeah, not good. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's honestly it's it's absolutely brutal that this is the case right now with this football team and and they have just become another one of those bad organizations, Joe. They are they are what we have seen from the Chicago Bears over the years, they are the New York Jets, they are the San Diego or the Los Angeles Chargers. They're they're a bad organization and that's pretty tough to take at this point. And what's even bothers me a little bit more, last point on this, how do you not look at the schedule off of what happened last year and not realize what's coming? I mean, you understand that you have an absolutely brutal schedule this year and you expected to be in contention for the division with basically the same talent across the board, except for the bad Darren Waller contract that you mentioned. What kind of thought process is that?
3: I mean, the good news is you were able to avoid giving out a long-term deal to Saquon Barkley. So you should have had money to spend elsewhere and address other positions and needs. But it's almost prophetic last night that this matchup came against Seattle. And you have to dig down a little bit with Seattle, but look at them. Geno Smith is their starting quarterback. The same Geno Smith that everyone used to mock at every possible turn during his tenure with the Jets. Last year, Pete Carroll didn't even get a sniff for NFL Coach of the Year. That went to Brian Dable. But look at what Pete Carroll did in Seattle. He took a team that some people thought, especially in Vegas, might be one of the three worst in the NFL and finished with the worst record. He got him to the playoffs. Geno Smith was the comeback player of the year. Got a new contract, reasonable contract, is starting for them again this season, and they're winning games. Like, Pete Carroll has done a tremendous job with what he's been given. John Schneider, the general manager, has done a tremendous job. Seattle knows who they are. They also know where they're weak, and they know how to address. They're getting the most out of their talent. It's funny that Carroll lost coach of the year to the guy last night who's getting the least
2: out of his talent. And Dable was was praised for getting the most out of it last year, Joe, but Carroll does it consistently. Mm -hmm. does it year in and year out carlin versus joe espn radio sirius xm channel 80 we are presented by progressive insurance progressive makes bundling easy and affordable get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle rv boat atv and more all your protection in one place bundle and save at progressive.com we've got baseball playoffs right here on espn radio today Do not forget about that. It all Day gambling. Day gambling. Day gambling. (laughs) I feel like we should have an alert for that, a siren. Day gambling during the week. I love it. Rangers Rays, 2.30 p.m. Eastern for the pregame on ESPN Radio. Blue Jays, Twins, Diamondbacks, Brewers, Marlins, Phillies, all, all coming up this afternoon. There's another NFL team. That just cannot keep up with the Joneses. Another disappointing tease written by Evan Wilner. That's next on ESPN Radio.
1: <laughs> this is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
2: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive Cash With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible
4: items only, exclusions apply. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast.
3: I really didn't expect
0: this today, this tight game. Yeah.
4: Looking back, goes into go the go. side, passes to him.
3: Goodbye. Ron Bland to the 30, what to I tell the 20, you. to the 10, to the end zone.
4: Was he benched for bad performance no. or was he cold?
1: Because no, I said there was no point leaving him out there, so I took him out. I think we all have some confidence issues after a performance like that as a team game. Right. So I put a lot into it and I feel really bad. I let my team down, let the
2: coaches down. really I don't appreciate every time something goes wrong that you assume it's me like that's what is that is that cool
3: you talking about the last segment when your mic cut out
2: yeah yeah that's that's not on you is what you're saying that's what I'm saying I mean 90% of the time it's on me but we don't need to assume it
3: I'm sorry next time I'll assume your mic cutting out is my problem I'll tell you what, you're lucky that thing jumped back in because it was about to be a Joe Fortinball monologue for three hours. I have a lot I'd like to get to in the political space. And I think today
2: was going to be the day I could have gotten it out. Right, well, listen, you almost had all that time that you needed. But, you know, I think we're all very thankful that things started working. As it turned yes, out. without question. It, it, all I'm saying is, you know. The big man is not always the one to blame. Not always. I don't know who is the one to blame, but I know it's not me. We'll get to the bottom of it. That's kind of the mantra I've lived by. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. On the ESPN app presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, who is to blame in New England? I think the head coach has a large uh, part of that. Uh, Bill Belichick asked yesterday if that if Bailey Zappi would start getting more Snaps with the first team.
0: Is there a scenario where Bailey uh, gets a more significant uh, look as uh, for first team reps in practice uh, headed forward after this week?
1: Yeah, I doubt if anything would change, you know, significantly. But we'll talk about that. I mean, I don't know. We haven't got to that point yet.
2: Wait a minute. Well, two things. Number one, you would have gotten to that point. You certainly would have gotten to that point if you were going to talk about it. But two, Bailey Zappi is is not good he's not a good quarterback at all in the on the nfl level so when it speaks to mac jones and how he's playing it kind of gives you that sense that uh they have been wrong on so many fronts when it comes to constructing this football team and when you hear something like that he doesn't know what his best option is to win right now i firmly believe that
3: i completely agree the 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 you lose Tom Brady, you obviously lose the greatest quarterback of all time. That, that, that's what stands out most to everyone. Like, the biggest position in sports, the most important position in sports, where you were rock solid better than anyone for two decades, has now, has now changed dramatically. But there's, I don't want to say the unintended consequences, but there's also fallout from Brady's departure in terms of leadership, things of that nature. And then there's this. New England used to be a destination free agents wanted to go to, right? Daryl Rivas, uh, Danny Amendola, LeGarrette Blount, Stephon Gilmore. There's a list of guys over the last 20 years that played very important roles in New England's success when they went on to compete for and win Super Bowls. Part of the reason guys wanted to sign there was because they had a chance to win. Right, They had a chance to win a Super Bowl if they were playing with Tom Brady. Now that Brady's not there, and the Patriots are slotted fourth, essentially, in the AFC East, or at least they were prior to the Rodgers injury, you have a scenario where you're not going to attract the biggest and the baddest free agents unless you're going to pay the most. Compounding this problem is the fact that the Patriots repeatedly swing and miss in the draft from an offensive standpoint. So if they're not drafting well and they're not
2: signing well, why would you expect them to play well? I mean, it's more than a fair question. And I think the biggest problem here is that Bill Belichick has continued to try to build this football team like he has Tom Brady. Yeah, And that that's a problem. Now, over the years, players would want to come here just for that. Just for, to your point, that if they had a chance to win. But they knew what the reputation was of Belichick. Like, they knew they were willing to make that trade-off to go to New England to have a chance to win, but they knew it was not always the most pleasant thing to go to work every day. They were certainly aware of that. Now, when I look at how it's been constructed over the last few years, there's never been an admission That you need other playmakers, that it's not just on the quarterback to make everybody else better. And it's amazing to me that as much as we revere Belichick for everything, how is it possible that he continues to construct his team as such and not recognize that it was one guy that was one in a billion, quite literally, that he had over a 20 year period, you know. That's easy. That's an easy answer, and you know what it is. It's ego. Because he thinks he's the best, yes, because he thinks he played a large part in it. But I guarantee you this, I've told you this story. Nick Saban once told me about Belichick that while everybody looks at him and how fortunate they were to get down Brady in the sixth round, he looks at it as Belichick looks at it as, how did I screw this process up to not take him in the first round or the second or the third or the fourth? How How do we miss on him five times before we hit? Exactly. So... If that's the case, you are questioning what you're doing. It makes me think that you do get caught up in the process, but the results would indicate they're not interested in the process here at all.
3: And that's the big question for owner Robert Kraft moving forward is if this thing really bottoms out and you're going to hit reset going in the next year, do you want Belichick to have one more swing at rebuilding this organization or do you want someone new coming in to handle the transition? Because it feels like, and you and I have been discussing this, Matt Jones isn't going to be the answer. So if Mac Jones isn't the answer, you're going to reboot at quarterback. And oftentimes if you're rebooting at quarterback, that means you're rebooting the entire organization. So do you let Belichick get another bite at the apple here? You know, you did so much for us for 20 years with Brady that, you know what, a swing and a miss on Mac Jones, that's okay. We'll give you that one. We'll give you one last chance. Or do you say to yourself, you know what, can't risk it can't risk it this this time post brady you're sub 500 in the regular season one playoff berth it was a blowout loss to the buffalo bills we're not competitive anymore we don't score any points on offense we're not signing free agents we're not drafting well it is time to hit the reset
2: button it's joe what is a universal truth these days adapt or die adapt or die they're not adapting He's not adapting. We look at other coaches around the league right now, and we think of them as the young geniuses who are constantly adapting, like Sean McVay, like Mike McDaniel. We don't talk about Bill Belichick like that anymore because there is no adapting to what he's doing. He's doing a lot of the same things year in and year out, and while they have been things that have worked before, they worked when you had the greatest quarterback of all time. Even Tom Brady had his best year when he had a great playmaker with him, with Randy Moss. That was Brady's best year. So I don't know what to tell you when you continue to think that you can bank on mid-players making everybody else better.
3: It just, What's scary is they, they tried. They tried to get DeAndre Hopkins in there. They have tried to put some weapons around that. And he didn't want Jones. any part of it. These guys are saying no. They don't <laughs> yeah. want to go there. That—that That is what should raise more flags than anything else, is the fact that when they try to bring these guys in, they're not selling them. They're not getting them
2: to stay. This is why it is a big part of why moving on from Bill is the move to make after this season. It clearly is. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. A Super Bowl champion tells us if Bill Belichick is the biggest issue in New England. That's next, ESPN Radio and the ESPN.
1: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
0: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I really didn't expect this today, this tight game. Was he benched
4: for better performance no. or was he pulled because No,
1: I said there was no point in leaving him out there, so I put him out. I put a lot into it and I feel really bad. I let my team down, let the coaches down.
2: Carla vs. Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We do have a little bit of, I I don't know, I guess kind of semi-breaking. Breaking breaking
0: news.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And that is that Kenny Pickett, according to Mike Tomlin, has a bone bruise in his knee. They are going to practice with him some on Wednesday to see if he will be able to go uh, later this week. But he is going to practice some on Wednesday for the Steelers. Meanwhile, we welcome in now ESPN NFL analyst Jeff Saturday. Joining us, it's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Jeff, it's Chris. And Joe, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. So let's start right there. What have you seen from the Steelers this year? What's wrong with Pittsburgh?
1: Oh, it's ugly on offense now. This thing is... uh and it could get even uglier. So, like, you, there, there's no consistency. They, they, listen, they're playing with a lack of physicality. Um, you know, pa- the, the the pass pro hasn't been good. Uh, Pickett's not doing, and, and you know, just lack of explosive plays. I think everybody was expecting, uh, you know, Pickens and, and Pickett to have uh, more chemistry and, and, and make a lot more plays. And. Um, they just haven't, and and so as, as you're looking at it, you're kind of looking around and wondering. You know, I'm I'm old enough to remember the days of you know a, a, a very physical team, no matter no matter what. Um, and so far this season, I mean, against Houston, they they did not play phys- nearly as physical as Houston did. And I know Tomlin made mention of that, and that's just that's just not Steeler style football. So uh, Pickett is is obviously part of the issue, but he is not the only issue. Uh, and, and I know Tomlin's working on it, get it squared away, but it's, uh, it has not been anything that the Steelers, Steelers faithful have wanted to see so far.
3: You want to talk about a lack of explosive plays? We can say that about the New England Patriots as well, who are absolutely blanked yeah. by the uh, Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. A lot of questions right now about the future of the quarterback and whether he's the guy, about whether or not the organization continues on with the current head coach and Bill Belichick. You know, how far do you think New England could be from a total reset?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, listen, it's it, the the way that the, they're playing right now. It's going to give a lot of a lot of conversation to all of that, and and probably deservedly so to a degree. I don't think Belichick's going anywhere as far as coaching. Um, you know, maybe they do some type of reset as far as uh, you know drafting players or or signing free agents. You know, how much how much authority or power he has in that? Maybe maybe doing that. But you know, that, that that's all for the future. What I do know. Um, is from an offensive perspective I said this even in the offseason they don't have any anything offensively that really scares you I mean when you when you look at them uh and, and you just said it, it there's no there's no explosive plays and really not a huge threat of any in all honesty when you're you know in the tight end package the two tight end packages is is what you um you know what you're kind of likening your your offense to that's I mean, I remember that in 2000, right? I mean, so so that's not really the way the offense uh, has progressed in the NFL. And, and look, I realize Mac Jones uh, has not made some some smart plays from time to time. I, I will say this though, the 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 way that his career has been, obviously with McDaniel's, they end up making the playoffs, and um, I don't remember if they won the playoff game, but they made the playoffs his, his rookie year. Uh, last year, they end up having basically a defensive coach, defensive coach, and a special teams coach be the offensive coordinators and his coach, it just set him back. And now with Bill O'Brien, uh, who's coming in and trying to reinstall a new offense, guy has gone through a lot of change in, in his career. And we talk about how you manage quarterbacks is so vital part of why Tom Brady was so good and Peyton Manning was so good and um you, you know you, you hear about these guys who have stayed around and been productive they had they had very consistent coaching staffs you know and so um not that there was a change i don't mean it that way but but guys who were in the building ended up kind of taking over and and leading these guys down and and so I just see that to, to act like that Mac Jones is the only problem here, I think is 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 a little bit silly. He has not played great. He made some bad decisions that has hurt his team. He'll correct them. I think he's a coachable player. Um, but they, but they're not – if they act, if they thought Mac Jones was going to be the reason they won, um, I, I would have told you that that, that, that that was never in their game plan, right? It's going to be a collective defense special teams, you know, sound offense that, that hopefully can produce some some big plays from time to time. They just haven't had it, and it looked really ugly, obviously, against Dallas.
2: Jeff Saturday with us, of course. He is ESPN NFL analyst and former center, and I have to ask this question. When you watch a performance by an offensive line last night, does it physically hurt you to watch that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely, it hurts me. It hurts me, you know, Walker, because I know I got to go in. Like, I had to meet Canty this morning, right? Like, <laughs> I don't want to hear from him. I mean, I don't want to hear from none of these defensive guys. I had Foxworth on there talking trash you mean, Everybody's talking about O line play and how bad it is. And, you know, it's it's awful to watch. You 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 hate to see the evil guys succeed. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, look, the, the bad guys won last night. I don't mean teams. I mean O line needs to be the conquerors, dude. We don't need to be the embarrassment. And unfortunately, eleven sacks. 10-on-1 dude, no run – it was just horrible. It hurt my heart all the way around. I just – I feel so bad for those dudes. And I know Thomas didn't play and, uh, you know, injuries have have affected that offensive line. But still, at at some point, let's protect them. Let's help them. Let's let's do something – so that we're not the butt of every joke, uh, you know, on, on the Tuesday morning coming out of the game.
2: And, and listen, Seattle had just as many injuries, and they didn't seem to have many problems there. But let me ask you this, Jeff, on that front, uh, how much of that plays into how we're evaluating Daniel Jones right now? Because it seems like... In year four, now we probably shouldn't, uh, shouldn't still be year five, whatever it is, sh- shouldn't still be trying to evaluate
1: Daniel Jones. No, listen, it, it, but it does play a large part, and I, and I, I use the. I tried to use this example on get up this morning. Like if you look at Zach Wilson and the timing he played with against Kansas City, right? Like when his back foot hit the ground, he knew in his progression where the ball should go, the ball's coming out. What ends up happening with quarterbacks and why it snowballs the way it does, they speed up the game in their head. And so all of a sudden that pick six that that um jones throws late in the third quarter it's because he's not waiting for the play to develop because the clock in his head is telling me if i hold another second i'm going to get hit now he wasn't in danger but again it's easy to say that when you're watching football and you hadn't been picking yourself up 15 or 20 times after some 330 pound guy you know has blasted you and laid on you so when you're when when people talk about how it you know it, a, a, a molehill becomes a mountain, that's how because you've taken so many shots that the game speeds up. Look, Daniel Jones is not playing great. I, I, I'm not trying to, to absolve him of his fair share. The guy's not make. He's got to protect the football no matter if he's getting sacked or not. There's a lot of uh, a lot of areas he can improve, but it's not just him. This offensive line has has been awful, and the truth is. Without Barkley, and and this was the whole conversation I had last year when everybody was like, was it Jones or Barkley? Barkley is the engine that makes that offense run because you have to you have to put so many aspects of your defense in protecting him from busting a big one in the middle, um, or just bludgeoning you, you know, for five yards a clip or whatever it is. That, that it allows Daniel Jones to use his legs and athleticism to move the pocket. Without him. I mean, it's it is a, you know it is a target, man, and and his his receivers aren't winning outside. He's not playing good. It, it's it there's a, there's a multitude of sin going around, um, but it's not just Daniel Jones for sure.
2: Awesome stuff, Jeff. We appreciate it, man. Thanks. Appreciate you, fellas. Have a great one. You too. Jeff, Saturday, ESPN NFL analyst, Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Jerry Jones just spoke and told you who's going to be in the Super Bowl, and it is not who you would think he said. You'll hear it in moments on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
3: Awful night on Monday Night Football. Shake it off. 0-2, down 2.3 units. Overall, it's a show since we started. 25 wins, 19 defeats, one draw. We are plus 4.02 units. Baseball starts today. Let's gamble in the afternoon. They've lost 18 straight postseason games that will not stop Joe Fortenball. It's the Minnesota Twins minus 110 over the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, interesting pitching matchup here. It's two righties, Pablo Lopez versus Kevin Gossman for Toronto. Now, if you look at their overall ERAs, they're roughly the same. Look at the XERA. That eliminates some of the luck factor and the good fortune factor, and it gives you a more accurate representation. And when you get to that, Lopez has an XERA of 2.98. Gossman is 3.82. Lopez is only almost a full run better. In addition, Minnesota at home, and they are much better from a lineup perspective against right-handed pitching. So the streak ends today, according to Carlin versus Joe. It's the Twins,
2: minus 110 over the
3: Blue Jays. Look at you.
2: Look at you. Little baseball day gambling. I love it. I, I love gamble
3: it. on everything. I, if you put some of this Pakistani cricket in front of me, I'll get I'll get you
2: something. I can't tell you it's going to be a winner, but I'll get you something. You made it. You made it sound like Nicholson uh, in The Departed. You know, if you give me a tuba, I'll get something out of you. <laughs> John Lennon said, "I'm an artist." <laughs> That's what you are. You're an artist. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. Uh, uh, Jerry Jones speaking just a little bit ago. Fellas, if you have it, I do not have it on my screen. Uh, if you could play it, it is uh, Jerry Jones speaking on 105.3, the fan in Dallas on the test that the Cowboys will be facing on Sunday against the 49ers.
1: They are right now uh, probably the uh, most likely team to uh, go in the Super Bowl. and uh, But in order for them to get there, they've got to go by us, uh, hopefully two times. Uh, if that's the way it falls in the playoffs. And we're in the playoffs, of course. But the bottom line is that uh, uh, you, you're you playing the best. Uh, this is a, uh, a certainly uh, – you don't need the game to tell you that you're playing the best. But you need the game to uh, show you uh, how you stack up against the best. Look,
2: the the Cowboys this week – are going to stack up against a team that is better than they are. And if you are looking at this and expecting them to beat the San Francisco 49ers, it's going to be at some point the quarterback who has to make a play to win that game. I don't blame him for saying he expects the Cowboys or he expects the 49ers uh, to be in the Super Bowl if we're basing it on right now. But at the same time, Joe... um, that is always talk in advance of this to make it look better, whether you win or whether you lose. If you win, we beat the team that's going to the Super Bowl. If you lose, we lost to the team that's going to the Super Bowl.
3: <laughs> I I think there's more to this comment than meets the eye. I can understand why you're interpreting it the way you are. I think mm. this is Jerry just taking a shot at Philadelphia. You know, San Francisco's the best. That's the team you got to go through. Uh, not the last I saw it, Jarrah. It was yeah. Philadelphia that won the NFC
2: last year. Well, but year. let's be fair about it, though. A lot of people today putting out their, you know, their power rankings are putting San Francisco in front of everybody else right now. And, frankly, a lot of people are putting Buffalo in front of Philadelphia at the moment. They're wrong, but and they're doing I was, it.
3: And I was very impressed with what the Niners did to Arizona. I mean, that wagon that is the Cardinals just <laughs> – (laughs) – Just just standing out there on the road trying to block you from overcoming. Look, I'm mostly just joking around. The Philly-Dallas rivalry, it's always going to be interpreted that way. But I see what he's trying to say here talking about San Francisco. He's paying them their respects. He's setting the stage for this game. These are the games by which we measure Dak Prescott. These are the games by which we measure Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. No one cares about you as a six-point favorite over New England. No one cares about the Arizona game. You took a lot of heat for it. You took a lot of heat for it because you shouldn't have lost it, but no one cares. What they care about are these games. Every conversation surrounding this team for the last couple years has been about whether or not the head coach, whether or not the quarterback, whether or not the team can win these types of games. Mm -hmm. You go win these games, you can change the narrative. You go lose these games, it's same old Cowboys. You're only going to have a small handful of measuring stick games by which to judge yourself throughout the course of the season. The Giant game in week one was not a measuring stick game. The Jet game in week two, because there was no Aaron Rodgers, was not a measuring stick game. Losing to Arizona in week three, that wasn't a measuring stick game. Last week against the Patriots wasn't either. This is the first big test to show us things are different. Let's see what you can come up with. A little bit of money, by the way, coming in on the Niners. Some of the books moving from minus three and a half up to minus four. Ooh. Ooh. I just figured I'd slide that in there. Yeah. Just for
2: those who are interested, there might be a couple of you. And I'm certainly one of them. Here is Dak. Yeah, we know. Uh, We know. (laughs) Here is Dak on the revenge that they are looking for against the 49ers. I mean, it's obvious.
0: I mean, we're so far past that, to be honest with you, but that's obvious. I mean. You just want to piss me off going into this week, and I appreciate that. I do, actually. I do. Yeah, appreciate that. that appreciate Does
2: that lost that. That drive you guys? Every day. Uh, <laughs> every day. Every day, time, every day. That was when he was reminded about the loss to the 49ers in the postseason last year and, of course, the year before. And as much as that continues to get stretched out, I, I, I'm looking for that guy in particular. You know, I, I'll just be honest, Joe. I'm kind of tired of talking about Dak in so many different ways, about whether or not he's the guy and whether or not he's somebody that can lead the Cowboys. We're in year seven, dude. Like, when does it happen where we stop talking about that? You either are or you aren't. And we can try to make those distinctions earlier in your career, because you're still learning and you're still moving along and you're still improving in every way and you grow from experiences, right? We're at a point now where we're so far down the road with Dak Prescott that he is what he is. And he's either going to win this week and actually try to prove some people wrong or he's just going to play the same way that we would expect him to play, which is okay, which is, eh, all right, I'll rely on everybody else to give us a chance to win. Until I see any different, like, why would I think the results are going to be different based on what we've gotten year in and year out? Whether or not there's been
3: some other factor that's been altered, you know, whether it's the play caller, no Kellen Moore this year, uh, it's Mike McCarthy, whether it's a weapon around him. Whether or not we can get rid of the excuses
2: is what you're saying.
3: It's whether or not there's some external factor. I mean, you go back two years ago against San Francisco in the playoffs, he completes 53% of his passes. That's inexcusable. 254 yards, a touchdown, an interception. He sacked five times. They lose. Last year, he completes 62% of his passes, 206 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, one sack. They lose. What gets people going about Prescott is twofold. Number one, he plays in quarterbacks, the Dallas Cowboys. So there's always going to be a lot of attention there. And number two, he will give you a performance like we saw against Tampa Bay in the wild card round last year where he completes 75% of his passes for over 300 yards with four touchdowns and no pick. And you think maybe just maybe something is changing. Maybe he's ready to find another gear. Do we have any historical examples of guys who this far along in their career have found another gear? Uh, The first one that came to mind, and it absolutely does not apply here, was Matthew Stafford, but that's because he finally got out of Detroit and went to a great offense and then won a Super Bowl. But is there anyone else we can think of who, after seven years in the NFL, we've looked at him and said, no, there's more here. There's more here. He's been given everything. He's been given an O-line. He's been given a running game. He's been given wide receivers. He's been given a good defense. Like, no one's been given this much and, and just, you know, we continue to have these ex-
2: this, this expectation that things might change. Well, there have been two guys that, after seven years, have finally gotten to their first Super Bowl. And those two guys were Peyton Manning, who was already Peyton Manning, and Matt Ryan, who won an MVP that year. Yeah, I mean, Alex Smith later in his career, uh, Vinny Testaverde later in his career, but, like, for a year. Like, to your point... There aren't a whole lot of guys, really any, frankly, who find that gear later on. You are who you are.
1: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.